0: Texas has been a second chance for me. I expect that might be true for many of you as well. It has been a chance not only for land and riches, but also to be a different man. I hope a better one. There have been many ideas brought forth in the past few months of what Texas is and what it should become, we are not all in agreement. But I'd like to ask each of you what it is you value so highly that you are willing to fight and possibly die for. We will call that Texas. The Mexican army hopes to lure us into attempting escape. Almost anything seems better than remaining in this place, penned up. If, however, we force the enemy to attack, I believe every one of you will prove himself worth ten in return. We will not only show the world what patriots are made of, but we will also deal a crippling blow to the army of Santa Ana. If anyone wishes to depart under the white flag of surrender, you may do so now. You have that right. But if you wish to stay here with me in the Alamo... We will sell our lives dearly.
1: with my co-host Michael Goldstein, aka Bitstein. And we've got a very special guest today, Christopher Calicott from Triangle Venture Partners. Um, thanks for coming on, Christopher.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is a real honor for me. Uh, I love the work you guys have been doing over the over the years and um, happy to be here. Absolutely stoked.
1: I guess the first question we would generally ask uh, a guest would be, how did you get into Bitcoin? Because uh, I think that everyone has their own origin story, uh, the, the hook that got them interested in the uh, topic.
2: You know, I have a maybe a little bit of an, an outlier kind of story just because um, of my old friend and business partner, um, Dustin Trammell. You know, he, he was a security researcher. He had been on the cryptography mailing list for, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine years back in 2008 at Halloween when Satoshi published the white paper. And so Dustin and I, we, we hit it off um, and we've, we kind of, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, but we've been friends since 98. Um, and we've, we've kind of grown up together in technology. And, but we had this big group of friends. Some of it were technology generalists, some were engineers, and a, and a non-trivial portion were in the security space around, mostly around here in Texas. We're both native Texans, and um, one of the things in this larger group that Dustin and I kind of recognized is we had pretty strong little L libertarian uh, inklings, you know, freedom maximalist kind of people. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to li- live and succeed or or fail at my own hand, and not you know, and that that those kind of ideas. And so we kind of recognized that. Um, and over the years you know probably 11 years into our friendship um man Dusty was talking about this Bitcoin thing um you know he and uh kind of the famously for for him it's his great fortune he was a day one guy in Bitcoin and and so I had the benefit of of having someone that was evangelizing this this new technology um you know he got some sophisticated reasons why consensus was actually um, had a good chance of working uh, with Bitcoin versus some of the other digital currency attempts we had seen come and go. Um, in, in classic uh, Christopher Calicott style, I was very skeptical. Uh, just, we had seen some failures. Um, I, I didn't quite understand in, in the very early time, uh, you know, so Byzantine generals and how that had actually materially been solved um, with, with this new approach. So, you know, on the one hand, this is a little bit of a, a of a cell phone. Uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to get things, you know, pre pre price discovery, really. But uh, that was that was the thing. But you know, it, it seemed to fit so many of these these ideas that that Dust and I shared in common, and and then you know individually as well about freedom, about property rights. I had always seen that there must necessarily arise an internet native. Monetary instrument of some sort, and of course, pretty famous. You know, there were you know HTTP reservations in the early days. They had the prescience of mind to know that okay, there's got to be uh, some sort of internet native value exchange, and so kind of intellectually, I'd say prepared for some of the the ideas that underpin uh, Bitcoin. But um, I was a little slow to adopt. Dustin's always been a tinkerer, so he he dives headlong into uh, into things like that. So that's. That's how I first became uh, exposed to Bitcoin was uh, due to the the good the good nature uh, and willingness to share ideas by my my buddy Dustin, who's now now a business partner.
1: That's awesome! And your business, Tramel Venture Partners. Um, how would you like describe what you guys want to accomplish with this?
2: You know. <clears throat> I'm a person that believes that most of the the wealth creation, new generational wealth, and certainly in the last decades of the United States has come from new company formation, um, you know, asymmetrical return opportunities in a startup ecosystem more broadly. i'm I'm pretty strongly aligned with um, with the value that can be created by creating a new company and what it means for a person, to actually, as early as they can, invest in themselves. Maybe trade uh, less, you know, dollars or euros into their their monthly account in exchange for equity when they're building something meaningful, where they can have some meaningful ownership in that. And so, I'm I'm oriented um, toward that in a general sort of sense. You know, Dustin and I have both um, been committed to venture capital as an as an asset class for for quite some time. Um, you know, given his earliness, you know, kind of in the first wave of, of founders building um, in or around Bitcoin, he, he wouldn't have used the word deal flow because neither he nor I came from asset management. It's a little jargony, right? But, you know, founders reach out and say, hey, Dustin, I'm working on this project. So he was getting an organic deal flow um, very early on. And, and we, you know, I went to B school a little later than most people do. And uh, when I finished, I, I actually had determined, you know when we want to move back to Texas. Dusty and I we felt like we had a really interesting and, and differentiated opportunity um, and the ability to invest some of our own capital for some time and, and things like that. And so um, you know back in 2014, 2015, um, we were Series A investors in in Payward Inc, um, which owns all the Kraken brands. Um, and that's returns so far uh, have been been pretty phenomenal there. Back when it was called Kraken, a uh, Bitcoin exchange. Uh, you know, and so um, you know, we've been committed to that. We've looked for opportunities there. Um, sometimes we've been fortunate and opportunities have found us. Um, but TVP uh, was born because venture capital itself is actually kind of a very unique special beast. Um, there are specific, um, you know, I would say, intellectual traits that that make someone... Um, receptive to to great opportunities that may maybe you're not necessarily commonly seen um, and, and that sort of thing. And so we wanted to have a firm that was dedicated to venture with the orientation toward uh, toward Bitcoin. And so, you know, TVP, Tremble Venture Partners, was essentially spun out of what is now Dustin's uh, family office, where I also managed some assets. So some of our earliest venture investments are actually on our balance sheet and weren't in a fund. But back in 2016, we created TVP. We knew we'd. It's a. It's a. Like I said, kind of a unique type of talent that we wanted to be able to attract and and grow the firm over time. We had a a very patient approach. Um, You know, several years ago now, we we put together our first fund. Uh, Most of that was our capital. We had a couple of outside LPs. Um, It's it's just. uh, It feels a little bit better to um, to invest your own capital uh, versus being you know managing uh, other people's money. Uh, your first time at that for a fund and and that sort of thing. So we went through that process. And returns have been great so far. Um, and um but how did we get to where we are now? Um, you know, the time wasn't actually right. Even just a couple of years ago to focus on Bitcoin specifically around venture, um, there just wasn't sufficient um, readiness for the, from an infra- infrastructural perspective. You know, we needed, segwit in place to give rise to the lightning network and then some some amount of development and seasoning uh, to what was happening with lightning to give rise to founders saying okay i can take the career risk now to focus on building on on the bitcoin stack um, including lightning um, we also had some theses around you know things like it's a kind of our view that in terms of custody uh, we think that Bitcoin itself actually provides best-in-class uh, custody. You know, we had this view if you can solve for some of the UX issues um around around multi-sig, then you actually have some of the brightest eyes in the world, always looking at the code base, taking an open source approach, um, and, and that sort of thing. So a couple of these pieces, credit markets, um you know, needs to be a little bit more healthy. Um, so anyway, gives rise to what we're doing now, Bitcoin has always been our North Star. And, you know, we wanted to get a bit broader experience. When we've done thing deals in, you know, SaaS companies, applied AI, um, always typically around, you know, what most people would call frontier deep tech. But um, but Bitcoin being the North Star, back in December, 2019, we started doing the work. Um, Someone kind of poked me, who is actually an investor in our fund and advisor, and said, Christopher, why have you and Dustin Never done um, done a fund dedicated to backing founders building on Bitcoin. I said, well, kind of what I said a minute ago. It just well the time wasn't right, but I said the deal flow is actually picking up, and and let me let me let me noodle on this and 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 try to validate some hypotheses in the market. And so we did. Um, then COVID happened in 2020, so it's like how do you raise capital in that sort of environment? But later in 2020, we decided to put together a group of advisors. They're all investing with us. Um, and, and take the approach to say, so when a founder is thinking about building on Bitcoin, if they talk to generalist VCs or quote-unquote crypto or blockchain VCs, they get a lot of pushback on, about their, their fundamental uh, decisions to build on Bitcoin, and they have to do a lot of education. There's always a, a little bit of a friction there because those, those investors don't get it. Similarly, If we took capital from just anyone, we would have to have those same kind of conversations. And for us, for founders, there ought to be um, dedicated professional venture capital that gets why it's important to build on Bitcoin and why this is the the only true sustainable path Um, as far as, you know, again, quote unquote crypto goes. Um, And so for us, we said we're going to have those same conversations if we go to generalist LPs. Uh, So we put together this group of advisors, they're all Bitcoiners, they helped us to to do a good job of casting a net only among people that are already on board with Bitcoin. So we actually, for what is now the TVP Bitcoin Venture Fund series of funds, um, we didn't take capital from anyone that doesn't get Bitcoin. It's that simple. We wanted the alignment all the way down from our investors straight through to the companies that we're investing in. but yeah, that was that was the reason for some of the timing uh, and why we didn't do it a little earlier. Just it it, it wouldn't have been the right time for a dedicated mandate uh, focused on the Bitcoin stack. And, you know, and, and now it's it's actually been quite, quite validated. There's been a number of other, you know, angel funds and seed funds and angelist syndicates that are all excited to, to back founders that are building on Bitcoin, which is great. Um, you know, we need. Uh, it's my hope that every founder building on Bitcoin somehow finds a way to get funded. And obviously, you know, one fund can't do that. Um, so hopefully uh, this will continue actually uh, into the future.
3: That seems to be a, uh, a sort of common thing I've heard from some of these, some, I don't know, I don't want to call traditional finance, but people, you know, coming in and wanting to start doing Bitcoin stuff. I remember when we had um, Scaramucci on, you um, he, he also talked about from his experience in Wall Street, it's like Bitcoin needed to be a certain price before it could even enter the minds of uh, people like that because they' they're working at such a sort of high level that's like they, they can't play with with incredibly w- risky things at very low prices. It needs to have some some firm grounding to stand on before they can even enter. And that's even if they already believe in the thing just because of how, Um, that kind of finance works. It needs, it needs that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And also just, you need some excitement. Obviously price level drives a lot of broader excitement. We'll get this new wave of people that are, that are entrepreneurial in nature thinking about their next company and thinking for, well, I'll say it this way for a founder, there's always um, this internal dialogue about opportunity cost and career risk, you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and to understand that, hey, this thing has legs, um, you know, there's going to be volatility, but it is not going away. Um, the more people that come to that conclusion, the more the career risk um, decision making process for entrepreneurs becomes like, you know what? I, and I say it this way, I'm like, you know, if you're going consi- to do it, I would strongly urge you to consider building it on the money. And by that, I obviously mean Bitcoin. And so I think that price discovery, you um, it just creates a new way. It's like every, every time there's a new wave. And right now there's just a lot of people that actually maybe they spent some time in these other, you know, smart contract crypto platforms or whatever that that are thinking about, okay, wow. I didn't even know I could do that on Bitcoin. And, um, and I think that's actually, it's certainly accelerating. And over the next couple of years, uh, I think a lot of these people are going to find their, find their way uh, home. We'll say.
1: How would you uh, describe the reason why the Bitcoin base layer has moved more slowly than uh, other base layers?
2: It's a great question, and it's actually one that I, I get uh, in a roundabout way from investors that we talk with on a regular basis. So, you know, and for me, it's actually quite quite straightforward. If you can get on board with, and I know you guys can, I'm saying in general, if someone can get on board with with the thesis um, or the market view that Bitcoin has already won the Internet's base monetary layer, it's just not broadly and evenly recognized yet. If that thesis is true, then you want to be extraordinarily methodical and careful um, to making any kind of changes that induce risk into the Internet's uh, monetary base layer. Um, you know, and so for us, uh, that's it just makes all the sense in the world and and the layered approach um, is is the one that that we feel like is makes the most sense. Um, the higher the layer, if it's an application layer uh, built on the Bitcoin stack, um, there's relatively it's it's confined risk to possibly one company or a project or maybe a shared library or something like that, but um, not inherent risk to the entire um, to the entire layered system. And so, For me, that's, that's the, that's the approach. It's, it's about, um, inducing risk, uh, that, that puts at peril, you know, what I, what I think, you know, is very clearly going to be in the tens of trillions of dollars asset in fairly short order in, on the grand scheme of things. So, um, it's all about risk management in a sense. And of course, if, if you're an early Bitcoiner, um, you've had some success the last thing you want is to people to start getting ham handed and making a bunch of knee jerk changes that, that jeopardize, um, well, uh, if Bitcoin is savings. Um, and I believe it, I certainly believe that it is you want to make sure that those savings are secure for the long haul. And so, uh, it makes all the sense in the world to be very careful with, uh, with, with making changes to layer one.
3: I also imagine just, uh, from the VC perspective, um, if you're, if you're willing to take on certain levels of risk and you also have a need for short-term gains, it totally makes sense. Hey, why don't we spin up an uh, unregistered security that we can uh, pump to the moon uh, in a short order and basically like print more money so you can get you know, those, those short-term gains instead of kind of focusing on that long-term.
2: Yeah, I think with some of these smart contracts, the only two things that have meaningfully changed is who, who gets paid for the seniorage and um you can sign some sign a transaction with the uh, private keys um the rest it, it it actually if we're honest um i mean the 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 universal way of uh you know looking at these smart contract platforms it really looks very very similar to the existing financial system and um that's not what we're here to uh, to recreate i think for us what You know, and this is this is this is an open question, I would say internally, like, hey, um, some of these other large institutional LPs, which, um, you know, we certainly are talking with these people, they're they're really trying to wrap their heads around Bitcoin specifically. Many of them still don't have spot ownership, um, you know, but they've kind of gotten trained that, oh, there's all these like glorious short term, you know, extraordinarily high IRR uh, sort of uh, investment opportunities. You know, to so having a real conversation about how that's not actually sustainable. Um, it looks, um, you know, well, this is kind of a strong word, but I'll use it. It looks immoral if, if you're doing something that you can like, you know, ship off to somebody else and let them uh, hold it thinking they're going to get rich. It's just, that's just not a sustainable model. I don't think it's actually um, good for those investors ultimately. And so working with us over a period of time to actually take the sustainable path Um, And doing things like leaning into open source, which I'm a personal believer in, open source based companies oftentimes are a little bit of a a, a slower burn in the beginning. But if you get other people that are building on top of, you know, a free and open source base, um, then that becomes very sticky, very sustainable long term. Um, And, you know, it's, it's a conversation to have because obviously those kinds of financial returns are are going to make people very very interested. I personally um my view is that the returns ultimately in the bitcoin ecosystem are going to far outpace any of that kind of fleeting um you stuff you might see in, you know, crypto. I keep using uh like a finger uh, bunny ears, but uh, you know, I think that's that's going to be the reality um and and we could talk about this a little bit more, uh, you know, in this sustainable perspective. In a recent um, investor letter that I uh, put out to our partners and I talked about actually uh, Sun Tzu, uh, you know, and, and Unchained Capital, I think is a fantastic example of a sustainable model um, for years now. And I believe, un- you know, Joe and Drew were the first founders in the entire ecosystem that uh, that did an underwriting of a collateralized loan against Bitcoin or any any anything in the space for that matter there were a couple of others right around the same time working when they found it Unchained. You know, they've they've kind of wrongly, I've heard people make comments about, well, yeah, but BlockFi is growing faster. Um, Their model actually in recognizing that these assets are fundamentally different than the way that a dollar is born. Dollars are born in the fractional reserve banking system. If someone can print a little bit more and make you whole if there's a loss, and therefore, that gives rise to rehypothecation throughout the existing financial system. If someone loses your Bitcoin, it's gone. There's there's no there's no more Bitcoin that's going to be created. You're not going to ever be made whole. There's not enough insurance in the world to um uh to to make that right at institutional scale. And so handling the asset, it necessitates handling the asset in a fundamentally different way. Um, and that might look like relatively slower growth but i quoted sun tzu in the paper because you know for the outsiders not understanding what's happening under the hood um you know it looks like you're sitting by the edge of the water watching your enemies float by in this case competitors because they've all taken this this um, rehypothecation ad nauseum approach that makes it look like they're growing really fast you know one of their competitors who who i won't name but um You know, to just to just to be uh couth about it. You know, a few years ago they were being heralded as the likely second company in the space to get public. Um, you know, and they're they're out of business and uh, you know by way of fire sale, and it's it's sad because a lot of people get hurt in those um those processes, and so taking the sustainable approach will ultimately lead to a much more healthy, vibrant, um you know certainly sustainable um ecosystem and. Um, you know, the funny thing is, a lot of people they won't understand what's happening under the hood, and they'll look and say, Oh, unchained capital that's just survivorship bias. Nope, that was by design. Yeah, Did, um, do you have it, a
1: view on sorry, go ahead, Michael.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry, my, my internet is kind of not doing well yeah, today. Sorry, um, right. sorry about it. When uh, it, it must be hard for founders, you know, uh, you go to kind of more classical. Uh, or, you know, generalized uh, VCs and they want to know, it's like, why are you using Bitcoin at all? And then you go to kind of, quote, crypto VCs and they ask, like, why are you using Bitcoin and not spinning up your own blockchain um, and kind of always pushing you towards that? So uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's great to hear that, you know, if a founder is, is looking to get help funding, they can find people who actually also understand this kind of long term sustainable
2: path. Well, for, for TVP, you know, for the last couple of years and probably for a little while longer, that is specifically our market gap. Um, You know, I, am a, I'm a person that is a strong believer. I've seen it play out in my own life where, where there is mission and values alignment with the people that I'm, I'm working with or playing with, you know, like in my life, it just, it makes for a much more richer, more more beneficial relationship. And those kinds of things that you're mentioning, Michael, are exactly what um, Bitcoin-focused founders struggle with and they still struggle with. Um, and so to the degree that we can, we can grow well, uh, grow and serve, continue to serve these founders with that values and mission alignment, I feel like we'll continue to grow and, and, and benefit from that as a firm just because um, there is a real gap there um, and it's non-trivial. Um, you know, there was, I, I won't name names again, but there was a, there was a generalist uh, West coast firm. that's kind of tried to put their toe toes in, uh, in the, we'll say the crypto pool. <clears throat> um, they were very excited about impervious and, you know, they had multiple conversations. You know, it seemed like, Hey, this is going to possibly lead to an investment round. And then at some point the partner on the deal said, you know, we made a really big investment in Solana and, and we get it. Bitcoin seems, you know, it's, it's sustainable, but you know, is this something you would consider building on Solana? So needless to say, um, to the degree that I have future portfolio companies say, Hey, maybe I should talk with that firm's name. Um, I'm going to make sure that they understand what they're kind of up against. This is, this is like essentially ubiquitous currently now. That's not going to be that way forever. It's absolutely um, true to say that they're getting smarter all the time about Bitcoin. And there's some big West coast um, VC firms that are more generalist. There's some that have been crypto focused that uh, frankly, I know that some of the partners have massive bags of Bitcoin and they're looking for um, the tide to shift. And then they'll start doing, um, doing investments in in the Bitcoin space as well. Um, I just, I'm always going to have an eyebrow raised and making sure that for our portfolio, they're not uh, trying to lead these folks astray or dangling like a, a massive uh, multi million dollar check uh, in exchange for uh, misalignment um, on what the goals are. I feel like these people are, are absolutely um, building in the right place on the, in the Bitcoin space. So um, yeah, uh, they're going to happen. And then, and then we'll have bigger competitors. Those people can go and raise a half billion billion dollars, uh, you know, it it, may, it makes it look like it happens over a weekend uh, there's just so much fiat sloshing around out there but but on the other hand, you know a lot of the institutional investors they're they're watching firms like ours and saying, okay, they've got to be onto something here. there's just too much going on and um so um hopefully the Bitcoin companies uh, start getting some bigger slices of, of that capital as well
1: so it, it sounds like you're your capital is allocated primarily to Bitcoin startups, and then you had you mentioned SaaS and um, AI as well. What percentages would you tie those to, and or is that private information?
2: Uh, you know, it's really a historical artifact uh, to a degree. And you know, I mean, certainly we don't have pooled capital that is dedicated to anything other than Bitcoin, and. Like I mentioned, this, Bitcoin's just always been our North Star. It just wasn't quite the right time uh, in the past to focus on Bitcoin. from In terms of meeting uh, the needs of, of a dedicated portfolio, it's high specificity. And so um, for that reason, we couldn't do it even just a couple of years ago um, at the level of success that we're aiming for. Uh, so you know, I see a lot of different things. I get a lot of uh, deal flow inbound, but it's just not an area of focus for us now. Um, I feel like this work is too important and to to be distracted by other kind of things. Where it plays out though, um, to the Bitcoin portfolio's favor is that, you know, we have longitudinal experience as professional investors. We've done things that are not just, you know, within one, you know, we understand how to scale SaaS companies. So that pattern matching can actually be valuable in a Bitcoin context um, with founders uh, talking with them. So we just, we have more, you know, kind of a, We have more track record, more experience, it's a bit broader, and we can just bring that to bear as we focus um, into the future just on the Bitcoin ecosystem.
1: And then within Bitcoin, do you have categories in mind of how you're going to build your portfolio of investments of like, you want this percentage to go towards lightning payments thesis, right? Or this percentage towards hardware wallets, whatever it is. Um, Or is it just more about who are the founders walking in the front door?
2: um you know whenever you uh, create an investment strategy you you sort you certainly like think about these things and model them in reality um it's it's about where the market is is where a lot of the innovation is happening and we already have well if you were an institutional lp you'd be like wow this is a very specific uh strategy you know and so it's to very neatly paint a picture of what the percentage might be um, just really wouldn't work in practice. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we certainly have internal theses. I have sort of market views on things that I'm looking for. And, um, sometimes they take a little longer to materialize before, uh, longer than you had anticipated or expected, but yeah, that's, uh, we, we, we feel like we've, uh, got a, a focused enough thesis without having to say that, you know, it's going to be 20% to lightning or something like that.
1: It sounds a lot like poker playing, right? Like you don't know if you're going to play your next hand or
2: not. Well, that's, that's, that's actually true. And kind of a fun, uh, a fun uh, uh, analogy for me. And most most people don't know, but I actually spent about five and a half years of my life playing poker professionally, but um, uh, it, it can be a little like that, you know? But, but then again, um you know, we're patient capital. That's we're oriented that way. You know we um, you know we we look for where we have a deal where we have conviction, and we feel like we can also add material um, value apart from just you know, writing a check. And, and so, you know, sometimes that means, well, I used to be a bigger fan of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger than I am these days. Um, but, you know, Buffett had once said, uh, you know, it's like playing baseball where, you know, it, the ball can go over the plate and you can still take the strike and just wait for the one you feel good about. And um. so patience, I feel like, and and conviction, those two approaches um, really get rewarded in aggregate and venture capital. And so that's that's the approach. And as exciting as things have been last year and this year um, with growth in the Bitcoin native ecosystem, I think the next five and 10 years are gonna be an acceleration. I think people are gonna like have their um, their faces just kind of ripped off in terms of like, wow, I, I knew it'd probably be good, but not not that good. I'm, I'm extremely excited about the coming years in, in the Bitcoin ecosystem.
1: Yeah, it seems like a huge disadvantage for the, um, let's call them the fiat VCs, is, is that they have to sit on a melting ice cube. And so they <laughs> don't have the luxury of being patient, right? Whereas if you've got Bitcoin on your balance sheet, um, Waiting five years, totally fine. Uh, you don't have to immediately spend all those uh dollars.
2: Well, we still have you know windows of uh of kind of a commitment to deploy. However, um most VCs they try to set the expectation with their with their partners that look, we're gonna deploy this in 24 months or you know, 30 months or something like that, and then we'll be back for to re-up on the next fund there are a lot of financial incentives that kind of drive that behavior a lot of obviously you know you're getting management fees and things like that um we're we're in pretty good shape uh, apart from that and you know this is it's not really secret saucy maybe like a little down the weeds but we specifically um wrote our limited partnership agreement so that we have more flexibility in time horizon which would be you know more than two x what um, the average venture fund would say. We just want to absolutely um, have high conviction on every deal that we do. Um, we don't know some of the things we don't know and we don't control. And by the way, never weigh in on um, because there are people that are extremely sophisticated engineers that I rely on to make the right decisions for Bitcoin Core, you know, Lightning, etc. Um, you know, we don't we don't get in the mix and try to poke on what needs to happen next in terms of. The, the base protocol stack, that's not our, our wheelhouse. But since we don't know um, when things will become available, like for example, when we put this fund together, um, I had some inklings that there'd be some things like a taro, for example, um, on you know on Lightning, but who knows when and, and some of those things so you can't control, that will probably give rise to some investable opportunity. So um, you know we do what we can control and that's just um, encourage patience and um and a relationship with our partners that say look they're going to do their dead level best to get it right um each and every time that they can so um yeah we, we we built in in short we built in some um some patience and timeline that better matches like a sound monetary standard frankly
1: yeah that makes sense and how do you think about kind of the hurdle rate right that um you're benchmarking everything with Bitcoin against Bitcoin uh, in terms of your uh, fund returns?
2: I've gotten this question from investors um, quite a bit, and it, it's an interesting question. Um, the first thing I, I, I'd, I'd say, and you know, I'd point out, like, look, over any long enough time horizon, nothing beats Bitcoin. Um, secondly, you know, it, it's important to compare apples to apples portfolio theory being what it is anytime you have a basket of of some asset um, versus a single asset um it will mitigate you know volatility within the basket versus the single asset Et cetera. and so um no portfolio is likely to outperform um the the asset that we're all um, making some bets around which is Bitcoin um but I also uh, say this you know look there's kind of this um, uh, this idea that that that's out there that that I think that situationally is not 100 correct, and that's that you know that Bitcoin always outperforms everything over a time-bound um, period. There have been multiple uh, startup startups that outperform Bitcoin. For example, if you take like think about the Series A of Kraken or Coinbase versus you know a, a later stage round, both of those actually outperformed Bitcoin during that time period. Now. If, um, if the companies uh, continue in perpetuity and Bitcoin continues, obviously, in perpetuity alongside it, at some point, you can show that Bitcoin will um, outperform those individually. Um, you know, ventures typically on, you know, a 10 to, to 15 year time scale. Um, and so we've got a lot of work to do. I feel like, you know, it, it's important to kind of set the understanding. And I don't think about due to the portfolio nature that we're looking to. As a portfolio of, of companies outperform Bitcoin specifically. Now, it'd be much better to compare like one of those companies that's within the portfolio um, to to Bitcoin um, as a standard. You know, this question is probably most related to, you know, the one such as you know, well, why why wouldn't I just buy more Bitcoin? I get that question a lot. I was like, well, <laughs> my my answer to that is always um, right up front. Well, first of all, we you should, <laughs> Dustin and I definitely are. Uh, you know um and uh, you know, for, for us we don't really see it as an either or i think i think of investing in venture capital specifically for bitcoin companies it's kind of i talked about this in, at the annual meeting for our partners and you know, it's like there're two things that seem to be in con, in contrast can actually both be true number 1 the inevitability of bitcoin and and also the uncertainty of bitcoin um, I'm am a huge believer. You're you're very unlikely to find a bigger Bitcoin bull, uh, you know. But it's it's a matter of when. When when uh, will that the those uh, you know, the the price level, whatever the price level you you envision for Bitcoin might be, it's just a matter of when. Uh, so it's inevitable, but it's unclear as to as to why. So for me, investing in the um the venture capital ecosystem around companies that are building and finding new adoption. Um, getting people on a regular uh, savings program in Bitcoin, thinking about um, lowering their time preference, et cetera, all those things that are foundational to what Bitcoin is. It's kind of like, you know, reaching out and lassoing the future and tugging on it to bring it a little closer to the present um, by accelerating the adoption. And so that's, um, that's, that's kind of how I think about it. I don't see it as an either or. Um, And again, like I'm, I buy, uh, I buy Bitcoin all the time.
1: Over the past decade, do you think adoption has exceeded your expectations or has it been uh, slower than you were expecting?
2: Um, it's always exceeded. Um, it, I remember this is kind of a funny anecdote from in our early, early days. I, I lived out in Las Vegas, um, you know, when Bitcoin was born and and uh, I remember Dustin coming out. He's a security guy, so I saw a lot of our friends during Black Hat and DEFCON uh, every summer. And you know, when Bitcoin hit thirty dollars, we we all went out to dinner. We thought, that's it. This is <laughs> how, how amazing we were. We were we were so excited. And then you know, not too long uh, thereafter, I think probably the next summer, uh, Bitcoin hit a hundred dollars, and you know, we all went out to Nine Steakhouse. I'm kind of a wine guy. Uh, and Dustin's was like, you know, choose a couple bottles for the table, had a big celebration. Um, so we were elated. Um, and I feel like it's just been consistently like, like so delightful to see different people arrive at Bitcoin for different reasons and the adoption continuing. And it's, it's pretty great to know that, look, we've penetrated a small fraction of the global population. And I think this is going to absolutely change um people's financial lives for the better on a global scale and that's really exciting um as a uh as a fan and and a hopeful person for human civilization itself so yeah i think it's always it's always been a little surprising it's always been super delightful and i think it will probably continue to be
1: awesome and why do you think uh i mean that you're based in texas um and why do you think that Texas is becoming Bitcoin country?
2: Um, you know, I've, I've often described um, in the great Venn diagram of life, <laughs> you've got the Texas circle and the Bitcoin circle and it, they're almost like perfectly overlap. Um, this is a place that values things like Texas being, I mean, it's a place that values things like p- private property, property rights. Um, rugged individualism, um, the ability to go out and build some build and succeed or build and, and fail your own uh, destiny. I think you know, for people that were pretty early in Bitcoin, those values almost universally ring true. And there's a lot of that here. Those things matter here. and um, one of the things that is actually going to, in my view, come to, some sort of a head um, in North America is the different, differentiators between the people who see money now as an outright means to project power from Washington or California or New York and cause people in places like, you know, rural Texas, good people that are, you know, growing um you know, cattle for people, families to feed them, and vegetables and and things like that that want to be left alone and and left to their own successes or failures. Financial surveillance, always everywhere. Financial projection of power um, that could be used to make someone ruinous, like we've seen in Canada and other places. Um, you know, this started um, like so many um, poor ideas do with best intentions around things like terrorists. I am the last guy on earth that would ever want to do something to fund a terrorist or or some kind of horrible thing to happen. But whenever something that was meant to control um, bad actors, adversaries to the United States are suddenly weaponized and used against people that don't even know one another across state lines. That's a conversation that's going to um, be had. And, you know, I think, Texas um, and the people from Texas are increasingly saying, look, it might be a soft line in the sand, but we're just not going to participate in some of the things that people in other places want. Um, That spirit is remarkably similar to the spirit of people that are Bitcoiners. And, And, you know, I'm obviously biased. Uh, both Dustin and myself are native Texans. He, you know, I grew up in a suburb of Houston. He grew up uh, in a DFW area. Um, so, so we're obviously biased, but I just feel like the spirit of Bitcoin, um, we get it for free here. We have an abundance, almost an embarrassment of riches in terms of energy assets, food production, major ports, um, small business, entrepreneurial spirit here. All of these things um, that just kind of dovetail with the the um the free spiritedness of of bitcoiners and so the overlap is strong and I've been making that case that's why you know from some of the policy work that I've been doing is to say look uh, you're 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 not likely to find a, a more better match with the goals and the spirit of Texas if you're a legislator than the Bitcoin community um, these are the people that just naturally align you can educate and show people things and maybe um, and maybe, who knows, one day California will be a Bitcoin country as well. When I say that, I think some people, Texas is a Bitcoin country, I think they they took it to the exclusion of all other places. Like, look, everywhere can be a Bitcoin country. It's just, you know, it's kind of our, we get it for free here, and, uh, and it's, in terms of the advantages from a business perspective, um, I told legislators, look, it's ours to lose. I mean, the, the setup, it's just an absolute layup. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on on Texas and Bitcoin country.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard other people. I wouldn't label them this way, but I've heard other people label this way: uh, California and Florida are shitcoin country. Uh, so I don't know if that's true or not. I I just that's a label I've heard from others, and uh, you know there there's there's reasons for those reputations, right? There's uh, specific firms, uh, VC firms, sometimes that are funding a lot of different projects that aren't necessarily in the best interest of everyone. But in any case, um, in Texas specifically, I think Austin has stood out as a, a Bitcoin city. Um, Austin BitDevs with Justin Moon and uh, Parker doing the uh, meetups in, in Houston and uh, Dallas. How, how do you see it developing at the local level?
2: Yeah, uh, and I think... I'm optimistic for these other places. I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a I'm just an eternal optimist at the end of the day. In fact, in November, I'm going out to California um to the Pacific Bitcoin Summit. I'm I'm glad they're doing something out there. We we can't just uh give up. Uh, and there's a lot there are a lot of Bitcoiners in California and in Florida. Um I would say there's some truth to the idea that um, you know, Miami, for example, has skewed pretty, you know, crypto we'll say versus an Austin or a Houston or Dallas, you know, Texas in general, skewing decidedly proof of work in Bitcoin. Um, I think that's that's a reality. I think from all those ethos reasons, in fact, you know, years ago, Dustin and I, you know, just kind of felt like, look, this is a, it makes sense that Bitcoin might become an important thing here in Texas. Um, certainly the startup ecosystem um, apart from Bitcoin is is quite strong. And due to all the reasons that everyone would guess, people that are fleeing California and New York and places like that, you know, if if it's in a tech startup or software company, um, there's a reason why they land in Austin. There's fantastic talent here um, for a reasonable price, not um, kind of, you know, artificially uh, high like you might see in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, You know, but that ethos is, it means so much. And the ability, it was put in just very stark relief during the COVID era, and the treatment uh, of, of things here, and you know that was Florida. To their credit, you know that was the reason why they were big beneficiaries of a lot of relocations as well. Um, but yeah, we definitely skew Bitcoin. I think we're going to continue to. I, I've uh, we're making some bets there. And um, a little sneak peek, we haven't announced this yet, but a little a little later um, this fall, um, TVP is opening an office right downtown and here in Austin, Texas, um, between um, Unchained Capital and, and the Bitcoin Commons, which were also um, helping to underwrite uh, some of the costs for the community there for our, you know, professional investment sort of epicenter. You know, we want this to be kind of a nexus of activity. I think we ought to just label it the Texas Bitcoin corridor, uh, you know, right, right here in, uh, in Austin, but certainly throughout DFW, Houston, et cetera um, and West Texas and East Texas and all the places where there are energy assets that are um, flowing into securing um, the internet's um base monetary layer. Um, We want as much of that uh, as we can. I think about six years ago, I was at an emerging um, technologies conference up at uh, UTD in Dallas. Um, And, you know, I've had these very strong concerns about adversarial States having dominant hash rate with Bitcoin for a long time. Um, You know, and what what I believe will go down as one of the greatest strategic blunders of all time by China um, which led to the expelling of of hash rate from 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 their their nation. You know, Texas has been a, a, a big beneficiary. Um, and I think that will continue to be the case. And I, I feel I feel better every time uh, North America gains hash rate. I feel even better still when it happens right here in Texas. Um, and so you know, I think that'll continue to play out. There's just so many reasons why this is going to continue to accelerate um right here in texas so um and if people are coming through austin please do reach out Uh, we'll we'll be here when we're not at a conference or something like that we're we're right downtown i think
1: texas is interesting yeah go ahead michael yeah
3: oh yes i mean congratulations Uh, i can't wait for us to take over all of downtown austin um i Right, right up to the Capitol, even. Um, We'll we'll get that building one day, too. But, uh, you know, I think something interesting geographically about Texas is the fact that it's in the middle and, you know, it's it's the third coast um, and it's not east or west. And so, you know, California obviously has its own power center, um, power centers, you know, in in San Francisco and L.A. and um, Seattle. And then um, on the East Coast, you have, you know, that 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 East Coast mentality, and um, you know, I imagine you know someone someone who's um in New York and, and in that uh that world kind of you know benefits going off to to Miami because you're still kind of well you're just on the East Coast and you can you can fly up whenever you need to. Um, and people were kind of feeling the same way. Uh, there was there was a lot of movement just from San Francisco to say uh L A. Now obviously there was a lot of people who escaped altogether for a variety of reasons. But I do think just kind of geographically, it, it creates an interesting narrative where Texas stands in the middle of the United States, you know, horizontally uh, uh, and uh, longitudinally, and um, it, it stands alone. And so it's able to cultivate its own um you know, kind of values outside of those power centers. So it doesn't have to give into traditional finance in the same way that, you know, others might, might feel. And they also don't have to give into the uh, traditional tech narratives that have driven a lot of the uh, crypto and, and shit coin investments. So um, I think that's just like, I, I don't know that that's like necessarily a, a real phenomenon, but it certainly makes an interesting narrative um, to think of us as kind of outside of those two and making our own thing, which very much also fits into the Bitcoin narrative and the Texas narrative in general, historically, of being able to, you know, people people came to Texas because they wanted something um, different. Um, and likewise, uh, the people who are getting into Bitcoin are people who they might even have respect for these uh, respective worlds, but they're looking to carve out their own way of doing things that that adhere to uh, a very specific set of strong values
2: i think you're you're absolutely right and i feel that well i have had many people say things along the lines of to me um christopher you and all the people down in texas keep on keeping on there is a bit of a sense and this is a bit heavy, actually, it's a bit of a sense that that Texas has to be insular and doing its own thing, um, subject to less influence from the coast, et cetera, that people that aren't even living here feel better knowing that Texas is going to um, dig in our boot heels and continue to get some things right. Um, that's That's actually a very strong, you know, you know, it's almost like a psychological um, impact. Like people like to know that that there is a place um, uh, that continues the hope and the light of freedom and those values. Um, and I would say, you know, you you kind of um, touched on it a little bit. You mentioned places like New York, uh, obviously a global financial center. Uh, you know, London a hundred years prior. Um, increasingly, they're they're trying to do things in places like Dubai to increase. Uh, financial uh, flows and things through through Dubai. I actually believe that there is a non-trivial chance that Austin, Texas, um, and here in Texas, in maybe it's 20 years or 25 years, um, continues to emerge as, in the real sense, the internet ages uh, financial center um, for a lot of reasons. Because, you know, right now we're at a place where we're we're just now seeding these firms that are going to grow um, with the wave of Bitcoin. Um, you know, I talk about, well, there's a guy named Don Valentine. Not everyone's heard of him, but he was one of the, the founding partners at Sequoia, which is, of course is a, a storied venture capital firm Have had, you know, amazing wild success. Um, you know, Don Valentine liked to talk about, he'd say things like, give me a B team and an A market. And believe me when I say it's not because Sequoia is out there looking for B teams. The point is, if a market force, the, the tidal forces are moving um, around some sort of phenomenon that y- you have to almost try to screw it up. And so if you get an A team working in a B, uh, in, in an A market, even better. My personal view is that Bitcoin is the mother of all waves. And so if you're investing, you're building out an ecosystem, a lot of that, not all, but, but a portion, a significant portion ends up here in Texas and, uh, and in Austin specifically. It seems to me that over you know, the next generation, we could wake up with a, an outcome where uh, you know, we think of New York, we think of London, uh, maybe Tokyo or, or something like that. Now we're in the mix. We're thinking about the emergence of the Internet's based monetary layer and the companies that are ushering that forward. And we're thinking about Austin. Um, I know that's a pretty big vision, but I think that it's it's actually uh, stands a real chance of happening.
3: There really is so many things that come together in Texas, too. And I think um, what's really interesting is the things that Texas are most, uh, you know, Uh, in the minds of people about like where, where we stand, Um, we can add Bitcoin into it now. I think, you know, I think of, you know, uh, Texas is Bitcoin country and, um, but it's like, you know, ranching and energy and both of those two things. um, And now money, all of these are absolutely foundational pieces of civilization. You know, uh, when we think of, of finance and tech, that's, that's almost higher up the chain. Like you don't have finance if you don't have, uh, people, you know, you, you have to not be starving and you have to have like money to be even doing all kinds of, uh, interesting investment instruments with. Um, and so Bitcoin has this beautiful, um, Texas has all these things coming together, all these foundational things that we rely on everywhere. And, you know, that itself is a, a great wellspring of, of power. And, uh, you know, it's it's all tied with these these very liberty-minded ethos. So it, it can also kind of wield these things for uh, great good.
2: Man, I'm I'm a believer. You're, you're preaching my language.
1: <laughs> um, did you? Uh, so I'm curious to hear about kind of what's a recent investment that you were really excited about, and and how it ties into Bitcoin.
2: Sure. um you know boy it's uh how, how to p- pick my favorite uh, my favorite child in the portfolio uh, I'll just you talk can do a few. you yeah, I'll just I'll I'll start with the most recent um and that's uh and that's Fetty you know one thing I think you gents uh, are probably aware of you know Dustin and myself have both been um pretty strong lifelong um advocates of privacy. Uh, and 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 what that means, and kind of fighting against um, wrong ideas about well, if you're just really seeking privacy, you must have something to hide, and these kinds of um, horrible assertions like that. And you know, I think it, Fetty was actually interesting for me because when when the deal started coming together, um, it, it was a it was an opportunity for me to quickly get up to speed. Federated Tommy amendments and the technology un- underlying it has actually progressed quite rapidly over the last uh, year, year and a half, which is pretty excited. Exciting it, it turns a few things that are you know typically discussed in Bitcoin on its head, but it pattern matches on a global phenomenon where there are, often around the world there are these. Um, there might be someone that's kind of a trusted leader in in a tribe in like a, in a family, et cetera. Maybe they're a bit more technologically savvy. Um, they can do things which, you know, mere mortals might struggle with a bit in terms of uh, complete, you know, self-sovereignty over their private keys and things like that. And, um, and Fetiment is, uh, you know, called Fetty. This, uh, this company is doing a lot of work that would actually lean into um, something that ultimately Creates what I think of as <clears throat> a, a non-time bound um, coin join of sorts, where uh, you can add to uh, to the mint uh, your Bitcoin, you can pull it out. Um, it doesn't have to be coordinated so that all the UTXOs are um, um, timed the same. So it goes um, to a, to a very deep level on and does a lot of great good on privacy, which I, I think is something that's very exciting. Um, and the market hypothesis is very interesting. You know, we don't think about someone in our families necessarily being the caretaker of the finances and, you know, or for even, you know, multiple families and that sort of thing. But in in places like the Caribbean and, and parts of Africa and India, et cetera, it's actually a real phenomenon, which I think it's important for us to not just think about what happens in our backyard and how we were socialized, but how the real world is working and. Um, Very bullish on the opportunity. They have some major hypotheses to test, um, but we were stoked to participate in in Fediment's recent round. Um, Another company that's still a bit under the radar that that I would highlight, um, a founder by the name of Lyle Pratt, who's actually based here in Austin. Um, Lyle has built and sold um, two companies in his lifetime and post-sale of one, uh, to a major telecommunications firm. He worked as a senior executive and took lots of products to market, some of which were generating annually in the hundreds of millions range. Uh, so highly successful um, founder who has seen for several years now that one of the things that Lightning enables is you know, small to very large in, in the future, Uh, amounts of settlement. One of the biggest risks for a telecommunications firm for new business creation is opening up essentially a line of credit with um, a a new telecom company that needs to run maybe tens of millions worth of business. And then hopefully they get paid, you know, at the end of their 90 day settlement window or something like that. Um, You know, so there's always this do to do from across balance sheets. So it's extremely risky to, um, to innovate. In that kind of environment where a new customer might run up a $10 million bill and then leave the country and you can't reclaim it. Um, so that near real-time uh settlement from you know very small amounts up to you know very, very large amounts, the Bitcoin stack enables. And so um what he's actually doing is helping with Vita to build out the the Lightning Network itself where you can actually receive. Um, some benefit by um, growing the network. It's, it's actually underneath the hood mi- uh, built to be an extremely robust telecommunications network built purely um, around Bitcoin and Lightning um, that's cleverly disguised as a social uh, a social engagement tool where um, people with podcasts, for example, can monetize real time. Um, kind of the old earn.com uh, approach where, you know, there's, no, there's zero marginal cost to send an email um, to send a text message, et cetera, there's near uh, zero marginal cost. This actually just puts a price on receiving a text message. And because of the way that it, it utilizes open protocols like SIP and others, um, it, it actually enables um, secure and privately for someone that's a celebrity, for example. So you, they could use Vita. They could get a text message from someone if they're willing to uh, take the price or take a phone call, or integrate um, an overlay into their podcast that will acknowledge one of their their viewers um, and things like that for people that want to engage without having to give a 50% cut to a Twitch, for example, or something like that. And they're building this thing um, in a very robust sort of way uh, that that really scales up to telecommunications level uh, kind of things underneath the hood. I think uh, Vita is gonna be a really interesting and very important company. Right now, he's uh, he's doing the, the thing which I, I super admire. He's he's building and iterating in the open and inviting feedback. And he's managed to get folks like Jack Dorsey and others to to give it a try. Um, it's great. Uh, I, I keep it on my phone. And if people want to um, reach out, they can get me anytime. Um, and, you know, I'm not revealing my... Obviously, I don't want to post my my private mobile number uh, all over the internet. But this is a way that it can essentially go to my phone anyway. Um, really interesting company. And, of course... We do quite a bit of uh, infrastructure stuff uh, as well, look at uh, things like that. So, you know, we earlier this year we led the the seed round for Voltage, which I, I consider to be you know critical lightning infrastructure for robust application development deployment um, and uh, and others. Um, Impervious is uh, going to be launching their bar- browser um, imminently, really uh, later this month or in the first couple of days of next month. Uh, which is going to be, uh, in, in case people aren't familiar with Impervious, it uses uh, the Lightning Network's um, Tor benefits to very securely and completely privately open communications channels. It could be someone behind the Great Firewall of China that's communicating uh, with someone in the West. Um, and, or you can just do, and it's, and it's a browser. So one of the, the insights that Impervious has is, like, increasingly a lot of the applications that we use in a silo like a Zoom today for example or or an application like that increasingly there's a shift back toward the browser where we're, our daily work time it's you know by hour by hour it's pushing up with the in browser applications and so if you move that to where you can integrate directly with bitcoin and lightning um with some secret sauce uh into the browser you're actually kind of acknowledging the inevitability and um, and doing a whole lot for privacy and security there, while creating a mass consumer product that I think is going to be. Well, I wish that we had a, a synonym uh, or for 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 insidious in the English language that has a good connotation, uh, because you know you can also do literally everything else you do in a browser uh, in, in impervious, or you can be chatting with someone completely securely and then send over uh 10,000 sats for hey you you help me solve a bug or something like that um uh right in line you know i think getting lightning payments or micropayments in particular we've talked about the benefits ultimately of micropayments for years and it's not had its moment yet but you know there's a lot of structural reasons why you know some big newspaper wants to sell you a subscription but you actually only want one Um, Once that catches on, though, it'll be sort of like opening the floodgates and they, you know, kind of masterfully um, execute on that. So that's just kind of a a small smattering of some of the things going on right now. They're pretty relevant. Be looking definitely to try the impervious browser when it launches here in the next few weeks. Um, This is middle of August uh, 2022 for those that might be listening to it later. Um, Fediment, Vita and others.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, if people are listening to this in like 10 years, they're going to be like, wow, those are, those turned out to be huge companies. Christopher was talking here's, about the here's hoping. like startups. <laughs>
2: here's was hoping.
1: Awesome. Well, it was, it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, I think that, uh, you, you brought, um, just a wide range of knowledge on so many topics that we covered today. I uh, really appreciate it.
2: Well, this is my great honor to be on here with you gents. Um, you know, I I just like I said I love what you do and hope you keep on doing it and doing even more of it. And anytime we can be a resource to uh, to you guys, please let us know. Happy to figure out a way to collaborate in the future as well.
3: Fantastic, absolutely, and I'm so glad all of this is happening in
1: the the great nation of Texas,
2: <laughs> the once in future Republic of Texas.
1: Our Citadel. It has its own electricity grid. ERCOT. It's like completely different.
2: And there are reasons for that.
1: All right. Thanks, Christopher. Y'all have a great week.
2: Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Adios.
4: The
5: stars at night are big and bright deep in the heart of texas the prairie sky is wide and high deep in the heart of texas the coyotes wail along the trail deep in the heart of texas the rabbits rush around the brush deep in the heart of texas Bye. Uh... Are full of squawks deep in the heart of Texas. The oil wells are full of smells deep in the heart of Texas. The cactus plants are tough on pants deep in the heart of Texas. That's why perhaps they all wear shelves. Shab-
4: Deep in the heart
5: of Texas The cowboys cry Caillip the eye Deep in the heart of Texas dog is bald and say you all deep in the heart of texas the cactus plants are tough on pants deep in the heart of texas that's why perhaps they all wear shafts deep in the heart
4: of texas